Good morning and welcome to the New York City Church of Christ. I want to give a shout out today to all the saints that are worshiping with us from the Bronx, from Brooklyn, Harlem, Manhattan, Long Island, and of course Queens. It's great to see everybody today. Of course, you know I can't really see you, but I know you're there and I can hear your amens. We continue to pray for those who have lost loved ones, for the doctors and nurses at the front lines, for the first responders and essential workers. We want to thank you for everything that you're doing to keep the great city of New York running. For those who have lost loved ones in the pandemic, Psalm 34:18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Our prayer is that you feel the presence of God and his comfort as you mourn the loss of your loved ones. I'm excited today that we are starting a new series in the month of May called Finding Christ in Crisis. A crisis is defined as a time of difficulty, trouble, or danger. It's also a time when decisions need to be made in a person's life. We're going to take a walk through Matthew's Gospel and learn about the challenging times that Jesus faced in his lifetime. Our hope is that as we study the life of Jesus, we'll be inspired and we will be equipped so that we can learn how to handle the crises that we are faced with. In the first three chapters of Matthew's Gospel, he records some incredible facts about Jesus' life. He traces the human ancestry of Jesus through the patriarch Abraham and shows that Jesus was a descendant of Israel's greatest king, King David. This was a big deal for Jewish people who were living at that time. Matthew also documents the incredible fulfillment of scripture with Mary's miraculous conception of Jesus. When Jesus was born, there was a special star in the constellation that guided the wise men to the place where he lay as a baby in the manger. In chapter 3, a prophet named John the Baptist appears on the scene, breathing out fire and brimstone and stirring the hearts of the Israelite people. He was telling people that something special is taking place and they will be witnesses of it. His message was simple and clear. Prepare the way for the Lord. In Matthew 3.16, we see the account of Jesus' baptism. And it was a baptism like no other. The heavens open up and a dove descends and rests on Jesus. And then the people hear the voice of God from the heavens saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' coming is the fulfillment of scripture. And the audio and visual effects were spectacular. An event long awaited by generations of Jews. And then... Something happens in chapter 4 that comes as almost a surprise. Jesus, 
faces his first crisis in the wilderness. Let's read Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The scripture states that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes people want us to believe that the Spirit only leads us to Disneyland. But that's not true. The Spirit led Jesus to a place of difficulty and hardship. And you know, Jesus didn't go into the wilderness kicking and screaming. He went willingly, knowing that God, his Father, would be there to protect him. The scripture also states that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Going without food for 40 days takes a toll on both the body and the mind. And it's important to remember that for that 40 day period, Jesus was completely alone. He was socially isolated. It says that after 40 days, he was tempted. Notice it was after the 40 days. We can definitely learn something about the tactics of Satan. He attacks when we are most vulnerable. Here is Jesus in the wilderness, tired, alone, and hungry. And in this vulnerable position, he faced a crisis. Jesus was tempted in three specific areas. First, he was tempted to take his personal needs into his own hands. Second, he was tempted to prove his identity. And third, he was tempted to take life easy and relax. What is a temptation? A temptation is an urge or desire that makes you choose a course of action that does not please God. This is very important to understand. But the most important thing to remember is that whenever a person gives in to temptation, it creates a breach in their relationship with God. 
So in the case of Jesus, the stakes are huge. Why? Well, remember in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, what God said about Jesus? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. If Jesus did something, even one thing, that created a breach in his relationship with God, game over. His mission to be an unblemished sacrifice for the sins of the world would have come to a complete halt. Let's take a look at the first temptation. Satan said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus was hungry and had a very legitimate physical need. But it was also a temptation for Jesus because Satan was asking Jesus to take matters into his own hands instead of trusting God and relying on God to meet those needs. What Satan was communicating was this. Jesus, you have the power to do this. No son of God should be in the wilderness, tired, hungry like you. It's not even right for God to have his own precious son down here feeling so hungry. So you got the power, Jesus. You see that stone over there? Just say the word and turn it into bread and satisfy your hunger. Jesus said, no. I am not going to meet my physical needs in that way. And his response is instructive. He quotes a passage from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus is saying is that the substance of his life is not just about food only, but about his relationship with God. Why satisfy the needs of the body and neglect the needs of the soul? We must feed both body and soul. So Jesus informs Satan that he is not going down that road of turning stones into bread just because he has the ability to do so. Instead, he is going to trust his father to take care of those needs at the proper time. The second temptation, prove it. Satan says to Jesus, prove that you are God's son by throwing yourself down from this temple. If you are God's son, throw yourself down. And don't worry about the outcome, because the angels are going to come and get you. You remember the heavenly affirmation in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, where God said, this is my son? Satan directly attacks Jesus' identity as the one and only son of God. Throw yourself down. Go tell those angels 
whom you're the boss of, by the way, to come and get you and protect you. Satan is so crafty, he's even quoting from one of the Psalms. Psalm 91. That has absolutely nothing to do with jumping off of temples. Jesus is identifying as the one and only Son of God would eventually lead to his death. Even today, the issue of Jesus' identity is still being debated. So here in the place of wilderness, Jesus absolutely wants to confront his adversary and he is really being tempted to say, of course I am the Son of God. And so Jesus is battling within himself this desire to prove that he is who he says he is. But instead of yielding to that temptation, Jesus goes back to the written word. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's basically saying, look, I've already been affirmed by my father. I know who I am. And I'm comfortable in my own skin. And I don't have to do anything stupid just to prove to you that I am who God has already told me I am. End of discussion. The third and final temptation that Jesus faced was a temptation to relax, take life easy, and be comfortable. Satan showed him all the kingdoms in their splendor. And he says, all this I will give to you if you just come, bow down, and worship me. Why was this a temptation for Jesus? Jesus wanted to win the whole world. And Satan was offering the whole world. But to win the world according to God's plan, Jesus would have to train 12 men. He would have to work his way through all the towns of Jerusalem. He would have to die and entrust the responsibility of the mission to the men whom he has trained. It would have just taken years to accomplish his mission to take the gospel into all the world. Satan's plan was way more efficient. He was offering to give Jesus the world on the spot. Not only that, but Satan was offering Jesus an easier path. He wouldn't have to be humiliated on the cross. So Satan is appealing to a human desire, the desire for comfort. He is enticing Jesus to escape the hardships of life. There's just one catch, that Jesus would have to worship him. But Jesus wouldn't even nibble at the temptation. For the third time, he goes right back to the written word. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It says the devil left him. Satan realized he could not get Jesus to sin against God. 
And so Jesus triumphed over his adversary, the devil. What can we learn from this? Satan can be defeated if we use the word of God properly. How was Jesus able to resist the devil's temptations? By his specific knowledge of God's word and by his reverent submission to it. With every temptation Jesus faced, he referred back to the written word of God to guide him in his course of action. Jesus did not debate Satan and neither should we. You see, Jesus took sin seriously. He knew that sin would corrupt both his body and his soul and he wanted to have absolutely nothing to do with it. That's kind of how we see the COVID-19 virus. We don't want to have anything to do with that virus. Amen? Jesus did not want to get near sin. And the word of God was Jesus' personal protective equipment against the virus of sin. And if we are going to be victorious in the same way that Jesus was, we've got to have the same attitude that Jesus had about the word of God. This is what the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As followers of Christ, we must arm ourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had about the word of God. So when you're feeling tempted, no matter what the temptation is, you need to grab your personal protective equipment. Like this. And so let's say you're struggling with being alone and isolated and Satan might be tempting you to use your body in a way that does not please God. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It is God's will that no matter what we are going through, that we honor Him with our bodies because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So we need to know this scripture and we also need to be praying daily, several times a day, until the devil leaves. And we can defeat the devil if we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And as we take the Lord's Supper, let us be thankful for the freedom that we share in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to set an example for how we should live, 
and for giving us the tools we need to defeat our enemy. We are thankful for the blood you shed on the cross for our atonement. And as we take the bread which represents your body and the fruit of the vine which represents your blood, we pray you give us strength to keep our lives free from sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.